0: It's Time for Governance by Grace. Welcome to Grace Gracearchy with Jim Babka. You know, Jim, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while because uh, for those of you who haven't heard Jim talk about rights and government, uh, the, the very few of you who haven't yet heard Jim talk about those things, uh, he's an expert, and so clear, and I offer this as sort of a a promo for the show, but we're going to answer these kinds of concepts in the context of something that's bigger than that. Uh, The title is are Americans Brainwashed into Submission, and this is a really difficult question to answer, honestly, you know, Jim, and and I'm looking forward to how this is going to develop and and the points you're going to make, but uh, let's start out and just say that yes... (laughs) Let's let's start with government. Let's start with the government. We're all thinking about the government here election year. Okay. Is it true that we've fallen too much in love with our government? Yes.
1: And in fact, I actually take a pretty strong stance on this so this show is brought to uh, brought to you by the zero aggression project zeroaggressionproject.org and at that site we have something called mental levers which are heuristic ways of thinking or looking at the world what if you approach a certain situation before you have all the information in but you're still called upon to make to render some kind of judgment how do you go about doing that that's what the mental levers address it's the way that a voluntarious mindset works And one of the levers that we have there is on Stockholm Syndrome. And we mean it in the sense that people are way too willing to accept what they've been told in civics class, what they're told by the media, and then what they're told uh, by politicians, particularly those that are on their team. So we just drink Kool-Aid on this without questioning it or thinking it's true. So Stockholm Syndrome is a Korean War uh, concept. It's the idea that you fall in love with your captors. You start to to repeat their propaganda. Right. right? Okay. So you're you're being prisoned and, and, and maybe even tortured in some cases, right? Bad things might still be happening to you, but you still endorse. It's very closely related to a new concept that came along years later called gaslighting, right, which is where right. you start to doubt yourself and believe the person who puts the bad ideas in your
0: head. Right, and
1: and they'll and they might even say something like, you know, you don't really believe your lying eyes, do you? Like this, it's not what it what you think. It's this, and then they, of course, they say, oh yeah, it's right. You would never do that to me because you're so and so, and and we do a lot of this with our government. There's a lot of ways that people talk structurally about the state, and and in a way, Bill, where it, they're the state's kind of part of their body or their part, their body is part of the state. It's it's there's like a a of failure to put a dividing line between where I end and where my government begins and vice versa. We, we start, we notice this most in how people use pronouns, right? So I'm, I'm a big fan of the Cleveland Browns. Like I, it's unfortunate. I am. I wish I could be different, but Uh, we won't hold it
0: against you, man. Yeah. Well,
1: listen, I've already been punished enough just by making this choice. Okay. But, um, I, I have a tendency in conversation to talk about the team in we. I have no number or uniform. I've never suited up. I'm oh, not sure. in the well, front office or staff at all. Right. So I'm associated with this team and I'll say we. Right. So people speak of their government in exactly the same kind of ways. They associate with this power that clearly does things wrong. And if you spend any amount of time with any human being and talk to them without advance notice about Stockholm Syndrome and all the rest of the stuff we're doing, and you say, okay, wait a minute, do you agree with this? Do you like that? Do you think this is good? Do you think they did this thing, that, and the other right? They're very, very, very critical. And in fact, they'll even argue to you that some of the things that are, are immoral and outright evil, but when they're normally talking, they'll say we. And I, I so, want to illustrate some of the ways that as we go through here, I'd like to actually have a conversation where we illustrate how this happens and why
0: it's really a rotten way to think. Okay. Um you make a really good example in the show notes. Can we use murder? Sure. This is one that's that I would never do this, right? That there's this is not a we act.
1: Yeah. So the argument is that. Um, we have government so that we can stop bad things from happening. Right. And then the chief thing that would go on such a list, the one that has the least debate or dispute is murder. We sure. can all naturally agree that murder's wrong. That's not a great thing, right? Now we may make specific exceptions for specific people at specific times, but we can all agree that as a general principle murder is evil and so you could say that that the purpose of forming a government one of the purposes of it might be to punish those or even capture those who would do
0: murder sure makes sense
1: okay and this so comes far. okay this comes out of an idea that a lot of people call the social contract Sure. So, okay. So, the social contract is actually a, a thought from guys like uh, uh, Thomas uh, Hobbes and and uh, John Locke, right? These are two of the most famous purveyors of this idea. Rousseau had his own version of it, and and essentially, it's it it are, we argue that human beings exist in a state of nature, and as Hobbes put it, it's nasty, brutish, right? It's short. It's solitary. And it's a war of all against all. We would all be vulnerable to each other if we didn't set up some kind of agreement. Now, what right. he argues then is that we actually, and in fact, the cover of his book, Leviathan, has a giant water monster coming out of the water. And his, he, he's, he's wearing like uh, armor, like chainmail. But the chainmail is fashioned into human beings. There's like about a few hundred human beings fashioned out as his chainmail. And the symbolism of this is is that we all gave up something. We all gave up some portion of our rights, our powers, our authorities to do certain things so that we could create something called a state. Yeah. The The state is that institution. And I want to use this word very specifically. The state, because Americans get confused because we have these 50 fiefdoms, right? Yep. Yep. The state because they understand this in Europe, they understand this around the globe. If I say state, they realize you're talking about the entity that other foreign governments recognize, right? So the state is that uh, entity that has over a given geographic location, a moral monopoly on the initiation of force. I did not make this up. This is not some cranky libertarian definition. This is Max Weber talking or Weber uh, if you want to pronounce it correctly. And it is, it's, it way predates the people sitting here talking, right? Um, it's not a specifically libertarian concept. The idea is that we surrender, in this Hobbesian sense, some powers, and then we, we become part of a government to which we have consented. And this concept is called a social contract. So here's stinking thinking number one, if we're going to uh, pick a place to start. I didn't make the contract and you didn't either. You were born into it. So yep. there's people who will say things like, oh, um, uh, you know, we created this government. Well, I don't know who the we is you're speaking of, Kimosabi, because I didn't create the government. You yep. didn't create the government. It way predates us. We were born into it. And if for some reason we decide we don't like what it is, well, so what? In fact, the people who are some of the strongest constitutionalists will argue that because we have the right to vote, it's illegal to rise up against it. It's illegal to call for its dissolution or its end, or as we just recently talked about in a previous episode to talk about secession, you have to obey and accept the government. So we, we didn't create this government. There is no we in this equation. Uh, Because we means you and me, and you and I uh, did not create this government. We were born into it, and it is the one that rules this particular territory, and you're stuck with it, whether you like it or not.
0: Okay, I'm with you so far. Where do we draw the line in this? Like, right now, artificially, we all have some embrace of our government whatever country you happen to be living in, you have some connection to that that you can't deny or avoid. But you can mark that place and know which side of the line you're standing on. When you are talking about we as the citizens of the country governed versus when you're talking about uh, like separate from the government versus when you're talking about all of us together in this thing that we didn't ultimately create, but that in which we abide and which we love.
1: Yeah. So it is. Yes, I I think so. Let me see if if this answer satisfies what you're asking. I I I can come down on the side of understanding and even agreeing with the idea that I'm glad that the government that I have is the one I have as opposed to say many others. Right. Right. Yes. We would all have a preference. Yes. Okay. So I would like my tyranny, as it were, to be the softest. I would like my chains to be the lightest. I would like my uh, my slave headquarters air-conditioned, if you would, please. I would like them to be less. <laughs> Your libertarian hat is showing. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I can't help it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I, I would like those things to be less, all yes. things being equal. Okay. Right. This is an interesting question because we have this, this uh, you know, people think that they've got this gotcha question. There's an immigration argument. And if I say out loud that I am uh, for borders being relatively open and people being able to come across and being able to make a better life here, if I say that I'm for that, they'll be like, well, I bet you'll lock your doors. How many immigrants you got sleeping on your couch? Like, you've they've made some killer argument. Yeah. So borders are not property lines. Borders are not front doors either. Now, I understand, again, in these slippery analogies where somebody would fall into this line of of stinking thinking, but they're not the same. What borders mark out is the dividing line for two things. Number one, the kind thing, is what laws apply on which side of the line. There's a certain set of rules and regulations and laws that apply on each side of the line. Sure. And if you have a problem or a dispute, who you call to deal with that, what court, what police, whatever, is going to be different. So to keep this really nice and kind and simple, if you live in Illinois, you're going to have call Illinois authorities. But if something happens while you're in Missouri, even if you're a resident of Illinois, you're still going to call the Missouri authorities. Right. Conversely, if something happens in Arizona or Mexico, the same thing rules apply, okay? Makes the sense. second thing is that you are all cattle. I hate to deliver this to you. Again, you think you're your government, but you're not, you're cattle, uh, you're sheep. Your job is to be sheared, your job is to be milked, your job is to be taxed. That's what you do. So what, <laughs> like criminal gangs, there are territories for governments and they divide up the line as to who they're allowed to extort. And the people on one side of the line, the Illinois side of the line, get extorted by the Illinois uh, gang, and the people on the Missouri side of the line get extorted by the Missouri. I, I don't know why I'm hung up on Illinois Missouri today, but that's where we'll go with this. Well, that's
0: okay. It costs less than either of those places in California, so that's a good right, thing.
1: Right, and California has their own policies for shearing and and that's and milking easy. as well, Definitely. But that's the reason for a border. That's what a border yeah. determines. That's the whole nine yards. It's Inside, administrative, right? Exactly. On either side of that border, there's a whole bunch of public space and there are a whole bunch of free people who choose to have relationships with other people. And if somebody comes trotting across the line from Missouri into Illinois, uh, they can choose to uh, freely associate with one another. And nobody listening right now has a problem with that until I change the line randomly to Mexico versus the United States. And when somebody comes in across uh, the Mexican line, they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Well, I mean, we've had we've I don't want to go too deeply because we've d- addressed immigration in multiple episodes here. But my point is that there's a whole bunch of public space and then there's the p- space that I own. Now, let's say, for example, I want to share that space with somebody, or let's say I want to rent them that space, or let's say I have a job that I want to extend to that person. All of those things are my right to do on this side of the line. And so I can invite anybody in to those spaces that I want. Your border doesn't allow you to tell me what relationships I can and cannot have. Sure, that makes sense. Okay? And the fuzziness of this whole thing is that you don't own the border. There's even people who claim to be libertarian who don't understand this. The border does not belong to you. The border belongs to your masters. The border yes. belongs to, don't, don't get all Stockholm syndrome on me here, the people who are milking who are sharing, who are taxing us. That's the border. That's who it
0: belongs to. I'm with you on that. And 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 we go along with that because it feels good, right? We're patriotic.
1: Yes. So there is a difference between loving your country and loving your government. In fact, you could very much love your country and hate your government. That's, that's completely, there's nothing inconsistent, immoral, or wrong about that. And so it's interesting because when before uh, various events, we have basically a uh, uh, we have kind of this civic deism that we practice, where there's kind of this right. generic god who uh, who is represented by the totem of the flag, and we all stand up and we they play a song, and we have to be in the proper you know the, if men have to have their hats removed, and we all have to be standing, and it's probably preferable that we mouth the words. Ah, uh, to a song that we probably can't sing because of the octave ranges in it. and and we it, it's it's like an invocation that allows us to proceed. And I thought it was interesting during the Super Bowl recently that they started off with America the Beautiful, because that's a kind of song uh, strictly about the country, right? right? Yes. And then we go into our national anthem, which is a song about
0: war. yep. It's hard to swallow that when you start to think of it the right way.
1: Yeah, and and so and and then they always you know finish with the uh, planes flying overhead, the military yep. planes. So Militaries. our greatness is represented by the same thing that any other country, by the way, that has parades, right? With the, they bring out their weapons and show how powerful they are. You know, boom yep. boom. I, I, I again, people start associating themselves with all of that stuff. I am those things. We are the state. Well, I hope not. I hope not, too. I've Yeah, <laughs> but we are we are not the government. And, and the evidence that we are not the government, that we are not the state, is that it is doing a lot of things that we would never approve of, never agree to, never right. consent to. Never individually do in our life such right. as murder. And we wouldn't right? gather up people to do it, right? And we yeah. wouldn't call, if we had to pick 10 of our neighbors to call that we wanted to get something really good done, we'd call the 10 best people we could find who share our values to go do it. Yes, yes. But we don't do that in this system. We call everybody together, regardless of their values. And we ask them to throw anything they want on the table for any reason they want on the table. And chances are, if there's enough of the people that want that thing, we're going to give it to them. No matter how offensive, no matter how abhorrent, no matter how much we disagree with it. And enough means fifty-one percent. Well, it could—it might not even mean that because we have a first past the post. Yeah, we have a first past the post system. So the person that has the most votes has the, uh, uh, in in, you know, comparison to the others, right? It's kind of like the old joke with the punchline: I don't have to outrun the bear; I only have to outrun you. that's how our political system works. Yes. So when you start saying "we," you're starting to say, "Well, everybody that disagreed with me, like my values are
0: what everybody that disagreed with me's values are." Well, this like, is a slippery slope, because if you vote your values in to representation in the majority, um, you tend to also make the misaligned claim that you are now staffing the government your way. Right.
1: And, 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 and I that's understand, I understand where people come with this one. This is the most, probably most deceptive one of all. Because you have a vote. You think that somehow or other you're choosing the government. Right. Okay. I want to let everyone know, especially at the federal level, but probably at your state level and likely at your local level. Number one, if you stay home on election day, if you just personally, you as an individual, stay home on election day, the result will almost certainly be the same. Second, if the vote, if the election is decided by one vote, the odds are incredibly high that they will have a a, a recount. And when they are done with the recount, they will invalidate somebody's vote, maybe yours. So you are not deciding the election. Let me say that again. You are not deciding the election. You didn't staff the government at the base level, this democracy. You did not do it because you're just one vote in a sea of votes. And you say, well, you know, we all express ourselves and we all get to participate. But the point is, in that participation, particularly the way our system's designed, your influence is diluted. It's extremely, extremely diluted. You are just a pebble in an entire ocean. And so the idea, I... I you know, when I talk to people about this, I say, you know what? I am not opposed to voting. I vote, and I am not. People say to me, "Well, Jim, what if everybody thought like you?" Well, if everybody thought like me, then they wouldn't vote for the kind of government that they're that we've got right now. Okay, but leaving that aside, I'm suggesting to you that when you go into that voting booth, if you choose to vote, and I do, I don't always vote for people, but I do usually go to the election. I tend to vote more on issues. If you're going to participate in that process. What should matter to you is your individual conscience. So I, it's almost like thinking of it like a confessional booth. Who, who am I in private? What is my character? What are my values? And I hardly ever hear anybody doing this. Instead, what I hear is like, if I vote for a candidate who has no chance of winning, I'm told I'm wasting my vote.
0: Well, that's the brainwashing thinking again
1: there it is and 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 I want to just expose how obvious the brainwashing is to everybody other than the person who says that. I want people to not say this anymore because it's because it's it's wrong. You just went from saying, my your vote counts. your vote matters. You have to vote a certain way to saying, I voted a certain way. my vote doesn't count. Why doesn't my vote count? Let's say, well, your guy isn't going to win. so, they actually have, there's, this is actually social science, political science. There's actually a law that says when you have this first pass the vote system, it's called Duverger's law, that people tend to vote for the candidate who has the best chance to defeat the one they hate. Yes.
0: Yes. Okay? We talked about this before. This is
1: the lesser of two evils is the yep. simple rule of this. So, but it comes down to only two and we have to go with the one that has the best chance of stopping the person we dislike the most. So nobody votes for what they want. They vote for what they get. So here's another way that this is not your government. You do not choose the people that you're going to get to vote for at election time. They are chosen for you. And you are told which options are the most likely ones to win and how you should vote accordingly. So the idea that somehow they're like, you know, if we had something, there's this idea out there called liquid democracy, right? And it would mean that every one of us would have our own vote and we could vote on all the stuff that Congress votes on, but maybe we're busy and we don't have the time to do it. So, you know, I come to you, Bill, and say, Bill, I'm really busy. Can you take care of this? I'm going to give you my proxy. Now you have my vote and yours. And you're pretty good at this. Like I start telling people who are kind of busy that don't have time to follow this stuff. Hey, Bill's pretty good at this stuff. And you start collecting proxies and, and right Now, it's liquid in that at any moment, I can take my proxy back. Say, you know what, Bill? I don't really like how you're doing the job anymore. I'm going to take it back. Sure. You know, and at least in that kind of system, you could argue that you had some say. Right. We elect, uh, we get chosen, the people who are going to vote for are chosen for us, and then we're forced to pick between one of these two bad options. And if you're not, you're, quote unquote, wasting your vote. Yep. And then they go off, and they don't even do what they promised to do. And what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about that? Well, let me say I, one one more point about sta- <laughs>
0: let
1: me <laughs> Sorry, say one more point about staffing the government okay yeah you know. the overwhelming majority of people who work for the uh, government who are employed there the overwhelming majority are political appointees and 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 civil servants and they do most of the governing so you have one representative out of 435. Who was picked by roughly half, give or take, of the members of your particular congressional district? Which, by the way, was gerrymandered so that one party or the other was going to win in advance. And then you participate in a statewide election where your vote is even more diluted for a senator. Uh, you get to do you get two senators every six years, so you vote maybe next year and two years from now, and then you'll have a, uh, an election cycle off, and then you'll start all over again to go. And there's a hundred of those. So you only have two out of 100. One out of 50 is your ratio there. And and then your vote's even more diluted in this vote for the president of the United States. But your state is probably already decided by virtue of the electoral college. I mean, do you really, really believe at the end of the day that you staffed the government in any reasonable way? No, there's no way to.
0: There's, it can't. It doesn't. It, it, it defies all logic to think that.
1: Okay. But this is how people routinely talk. They talk about the government as if it's a part of their body. It's us. We did this.
0: But we didn't do it. We didn't do it. We followed the lead of others who had, I don't want to use that word, but others who had organized the outcome. Yeah. So this
1: dovetails into a separate discussion. Um.
0: But
1: it lays the basis basis for another thing, and this is where I want to go here, is that, and and here I want to speak a little bit more to the libertarians and voluntarists amongst us, who probably recognize a lot of what I've already just said. But we deal with this situation frequently in these conversations where people assume that certain people have rights to certain things. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Our Declaration of Independence spells out at the very beginning that you and I have life, we have liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
0: These are the natural
1: rights? These are natural rights. And I say natural because they're, first of all, they're recognized. We all want these things. There's no dispute on any of this. Worldwide, by the way, right? Worldwide. This is what we all want to be. We all want to be secure in our persons and property, able to pursue the things that we're after. We want to live in harmony and peace. That's what we want. We don't want people coming, breaking our stuff, stealing our stuff. We don't want people harming us or killing us. Those are all things that we want but a right creates an obligation. And when that obligation is <clears throat> to leave you alone, we call that negative. I don't really like the terminology, but leaving you alone is negative. I don't I, I don't there's no burden on me specifically to leave you alone. It it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't
0: hurt me not to punch you in the mouth. Okay? I'm not losing out. This is like debits and credits in accounting yes. if you're coming from that background. Yes, doesn't make sense, but go with the terms because it'll okay. make. Okay. So this legitimate. is
1: negative meaning it doesn't cost me anything. I don't right. I don't have to do anything. But it, a positive liberty is one I have to pay for or somebody has to pay for. Like there's a source for wh- why we it, it it comes about where someone had to mix up their labor to make it happen. You said positive liberty, women well, positive right, correct? Positive right. Yes, I did. Positive Thank right. you. Yeah. Positive right. This be positive be right – excuse me. I thank you for correcting me on that. This yeah. positive right means that someone else had to pay for it, okay? okay I'm with you. Yeah. Now, the way that we typically do this, we, we we don't want to be guilty of slavery. So what we do is we tax people, and then we pay somebody else to do it. We take money from one group of people, and we give it to somebody else to do it.
0: So I'm, I, if I can just interrupt to clarify this, because this is getting the government involved. yes. So my tax money helps to keep my right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness uh, s- intact, because the government's going to go out and take care of all the bad guys that you know annoy me. They're going to fix. They're going to block up all the murderers. They're going to you know make sure the public lands are safe and all of that. So this, is this my exchange? Were that it were
1: so, right? That's supposedly the social contract, right? Okay? But once they have that power, what do they do with it? They start inventing Everything. other rights for other people that are positive in
0: nature and they start expanding into other arenas. So I'm good with my tax dollars helping to support the the, the natural rights, helping to fund our defense of the natural rights. That's so a positive. I
1: would, I would make an argument at the very end of the day that there isn't anything that the the state sh- that anybody could argue it should do that couldn't be done better voluntarily. Okay? Don't want to get into that today because that's a whole other set of episodes. In a variety of places, we do get into that. What I want to stick to today is that your pos- these positive rights require, so let's say you're going to say that everyone has the right to a gun. Now, I haven't heard too many people say that, right? But you need a tool of self-defense, so we're going to make sure everybody has one. Somebody would have to fund the program. We're like, well, okay, we have to get certain certified and training, and we got to do this, that, and the other. Somebody would pay for that. Now, that seems far-fetched, but we do the same thing with healthcare. We do the same thing with water. We do the same thing with a host of things. We say that the government should provide these things. And there will be people who will go so far as to say that if you don't agree with this, you're evil. You're evil. If you're not willing to fork over and share some of what you have, uh, and that's what they call it, sharing. Like, you could be stolen from, and you're sharing. Like, I wouldn't go up and down the street and say, I want to help the poor and hold a gun to you and say, give me your money, that would be wrong. I would have to ask you to do that voluntarily. And, and we have people who do this in churches and charities and whatnot. We have people that also sure create does. jobs and opportunities and ways to help people up. And I, frankly, i you know, I, was, I spent a time at an event uh, put on by iron light in November, learning about how there's these, uh, job, uh, they're kind of nonprofit, but they're also pro- for-profit uh, organizations that do like job searching, like help people line up work. Recruiters yeah. and headhunters who work specifically to help people who've been convicted of a crime get a start. And companies know that that's who they're giving. They're looking to do, give people second chances at life to get going again. And they, and they're having tremendous success with this because if somebody can get a job, a decent-paying job. Uh, particularly if they could do something they like, like think if you got somebody with a real artistic talent that's been behind bars, and you could hire an artist who you know didn't go through the normal certificationaries, but they're you know, Boku talented, and that they shared one of these stories with those Guys making a lot of money now too. He's really done well for his for his employer and and so forth. That's a good thing. I I'm suggesting to you all of that stuff could be done voluntarily. But the idea that because you don't want to participate in somebody else's positive rights program, that you're evil, I'm suggesting that that's wrong. Now, I want to argue that not on a moral basis at the moment. I want to argue it on a more practical basis because the state routinely fails at the functions it says it's carrying out. These things that they do for the poor, these things that they do to provide education, these things they do to provide health care, and so on and so on and so forth, these things they do to provide the water. They do them badly. They do them way. They they're ham handed. They're expensive. Um, sometimes they even deliver a tainted product. So I'm recently in a conversation, Bill, with a gentleman who is in Michigan, and we begin discussing the Flint water crisis. Oh yeah, great one. Okay, so Flint water. This whole thing starts about 2014-15 timeframe. Mostly is wrapped up by 2019, 20, although there's still a little teeny tiny part of it dangling out there. Okay. But to go from, let's say, 20 to, to be in conservative side, 2015 to 2019 is four years. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Let's just say that the crisis in Flint, which was water going through uh, uh, bad piping that was had lead in it, and then a subsequent cover up of those facts by various people in federal and state and local government all three levels implicated, the EPA on down, the idea that that happened and that that was okay for lead to end up in the drinking water of children actually happened in Flint, Michigan. So then I start to wonder about things. I I start to say, well, okay, if the water is tainted and bad, then I assume that during the whole time that they were fixing the water problem, the city or county—it was a county in this particular case—did not charge the residents for water.
0: That would make sense. No, they still charge them for. They water. Tra- they charge them for water they couldn't use without it. Yes.
1: Okay. So, so, so they—they don't—they don't stop billing the product, and, and I then I assume, well, people can find another way to get water. Sure, bottled water. Okay. So let's let's talk about bottled water for just a second. Because this is really important. Let's say you're going to the store, Bill, and you're buying bottled water. I don't have any label on this one here, but I got a bottle of water, okay? Mm-hmm. And we'll pretend it's a main a name brand. If I buy this bottle of water and, and start drinking it, I am buying it under the assumption that it's safe. Sure. It yeah. doesn't have lead in it. Right. Okay. Now, let's say I get news. It's a company I really like, and I've been buying their water for years, but I find out that there's lead in it. They've they've been it. And I say to myself, that's too bad. I hope they can pull through it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep buying and drinking this water. I'm going to continue to buy this water, even if it takes them four years to turn their company around. Who does that? Yes, you can count them on less than one hand. Okay, so why did I spend all this time talking just moments ago about positive rights? Because the only answer that was able to be mustered in the conversation to which I'm referring was that we, as the citizens, have to hold these people accountable. And you'll remember how we gilded the lily previous to that and talked about how little power you had in these elections. Should it come as any surprise to you that it took them multiple years to fix this problem and people still got stuck with the bill for it? Exactly. In the marketplace, the water company who was tainted is gone. They're They're out of business. They're they're completely just gone. They're finished. And uh, even if they tried to sell their product, the stores that were holding, selling, redistributing their product through which, you know, the network that they're putting out, the grocery stores would say, you're not going to have any shelf space here. We're not going to let you kill our customers. So there's another layer there of defense. And it wouldn't stop there because the insurance company who had to deal with the claims, would say, you're not insurable any longer. So now the company is no longer protected or has no ability to help defer the costs of the lawsuits that they would experience. And the stockholders would look at a situation like that and say, wait a minute, it's toxic water and you don't have access to the shelves and you don't have insurance anymore. Well, we're not going to invest in you anymore. People would be running for the exits to try to get out of that stock.
0: And it would just be gone. It just would but, be gone. But a municipal water company? Why do they get the free pass? Which isn't
1: free, but... Because of the way that they collect the money. You remember we talked about shearing the sheep and milking the cows? So when a, a pro- when a program becomes the government, they don't have to market and sell it anymore. They don't have to compete in a marketplace anymore. They don't have to do any of those things. They stole the money in the first place. And then they said, well, we've got all this loot. we got to pass some of it back to the people that we took it from. How are we going to keep our phony baloney gig going if we don't at least redistribute some of it back to them? And that's what they do. And they do it yep. badly. And, and they routinely do it badly. It's not like they do it a little bit badly. They routinely do it badly. The Flint water episode is very illustri- illustrative of how government responds. Okay? Now. I'm with you. Yep. I want to go one step further and talk about how the market responds. I just want to compare the two so you can understand this. So you're saying we have a right to water. That's where we're going here with this. We have this positive right to water. And if you oppose this, you're a bad person. Okay. Now I just explained to you how the government manages the water supply. Yeah. Let's look at the other side of this because there's more than one way to get water. Okay. And I want to switch examples just a little bit to one that everybody who is a little closer to our age is going to remember. And those of you that don't, you're going to learn something new today.
0: Is this the, uh, the Tylenol?
1: Tylenol. The great Tylenol debacle. In the, yeah. in, in the early mid-80s, there was a uh, somebody poisoned uh, Tylenol, bottles of Tylenol, individually poisoned the bottles, laced them with cyanide, and people died. Not a lot, just a few people didn't take much. A couple of people die, and all of a sudden, we realized the problem. And then they traced it to the shelf and figured out that it was all Tylenol bottles. The thing that the people who had died had in common was they had taken Tylenol. One person was likely responsible for this whole thing. And so there you go. I want to be clear. This is not Tylenol poisoning its customers. Let's be 100% clear yes. about this. This was somebody opening the bottles... So right now, you take for granted that there is a safety cap on the top of that bottle. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Back then, that didn't exist. We're going to tell you how that happened. This is the history of that, the history of the safety cap. So the first thing that happens is that Tylenol pulls their product off the shelf. Nobody had to tell them to do that. Nobody had to say, you're taking your product. They pulled the product right away. They recalled it everywhere it existed across the country at great expense because these companies don't want their customers to die while using their product. Exactly. that's seems okay. obvious. And, hmm. and 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 we have a modern example of this. Before the recent sickness that we call C, we don't use the words here because of the algorithm. Before that happened, uh, as it was starting in March of 2020, Disney closed parks, NBA, NCAA, they had a big tournament going on. They shut. Everything down during their most profitable season of their year, they closed it down because they didn't want the people participating, whether it be their employees or their players, respectively, or whether it was their customers, especially. They did not want to put them in abundance of caution. You know, abundance of caution. You know, it was so they didn't. You know, because I hear, well, you know, geez, Jim, if we didn't force, if the government didn't do this stuff greed would take over. And that greed would cause them to do bad things. Okay, here's them acting against their own financial interests, their short-term apparent interests, the one things that we usually call greed, and they're doing exactly the opposite. Tylenol pulls all the product from the shelf. Yep. But it doesn't stop there. It goes one step further. This threw the fear of God into every single company that had a little product in a bottle.
0: Oh, sure, because yours could be tampered with, too. Exactly.
1: So all the other competitive brands, including Tylenol, Tylenol didn't make it back on the shelf until it did this, and all the other brands scrambled to do this. They created the safety cap and put it on. And I... People cannot appreciate this fully, unless you are an engineer or you work in a factory. But retooling, to get that process in place. You have to design it. You have to figure out how to, how to then implement the design into production. Then you have to buy the purchase, the tools to readjust your thing. You have to change plant processes. You have to train employees. You have to do all this This happened within a couple of months. Everything on the shelf, everything on the shelf and over time, everything, it was start off with pills, vitamins and different stuff. It, it, everything on the shelf got a safety cap on it. Everybody came up with a way to make sure that you knew you had the assurance your product hadn't been tampered with in advance, that the products inside of it were safe. That happened overnight. I will tell you that from the time that the Tylenol, uh, that we got the news as to what happened and they pulled the product from the shelves, it probably wasn't a year before everybody, everybody was doing something different. Yep. Because the market responds. So. The question isn't really, at the end of the day, do I want people to have water? The question is how we're going to deliver it to them.
0: Safely, efficiently.
1: Yes. And there's no competition in this, the way that the government does it. But more importantly, the way that they obtain their money is not through appealing to consumer demand.
0: Yes. They they don't have to deliver quality first. <laughs> yes. Sadly, sad to say, lead comes with a product. Okay. So,
1: mafias and gangs have territories. So do states. And you are not the state. They are taking from you. They are regulating you. You didn't really pick them. And the way that they go about delivering their products and services is because they have taken a certain amount, and they got to give a little bit back to keep the game going, so that they don't have an armed revolt. That's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. They need everybody to be rather placid and playing along. But it goes extra well if you're buying into the civics crap that somehow or other this is you doing this. You're a part of it. You made all this happen, but you didn't.
0: You didn't I set the those rate, at which
1: yeah, you didn't set the rate you were being taxed at. And you may even object to what you're being taxed at. You didn't choose how the money's going to be spent. And you probably, I haven't met anybody who doesn't object to how the government's spending their money. I'm literally, I have not met anyone that says, you know what? I look at the whole budget and go, that's really great. Nobody does that. Okay. So if you could associate with people of like mind and choose the things you wanted to do. So I'm in the same conversation, and I had been told that A water you don't want to supply water uh you don't want to share that's evil right i asked this person point blank and i'm going to encourage you if you're in a conversation like this to ask the same question what have you done personally in the last year to bring clean water to your fellow man and the best clean this water. person could do was say they voted
0: one little and- pebble How does that connect, Jim? That doesn't even come close to connecting.
1: The fact that you can let yourself off that easily and say, well, the reason that this happens, he explains to me, is a lack of accountability. Accountability from where? You have one pebble in the ocean. Yeah. You can't hold anybody accountable. But if you have a problem with a product, a good or a service, you have real power. And this is another mental lever that we have at the Zero Aggression Project. And it's simply this. And I hope I've illustrated my case today. You have more power as a, cons- as a consumer than you do as a citizen. I hope it's clear to you that you see how little power you have as a citizen, how you are not really the government. But if you object to a good or a product or service, your money Does not have to go to that thing. Your time, your energy, your effort does not have to go to that thing. If they put pickles on when you said, I want no pickles, you can raise a ruckus, you probably are going to get your meal covered, and you probably can you can go leave a bad review for the restaurant on top of it. You and then you could never go again. You could do all of those things. Maybe they even hand you a credit to come back and do it again. I don't know. They do all of those things, but politicians. Oh, well, we've got to get, how do I know this? What I'm about to say, how do I know this? Well, we got to get a bunch of people together and we got to go march down to their offices or we got to send letters or faxes or phone calls. I know this because I ran downsized DC for uh, 16 years. And during all that time, we got a lot of people to send a lot of letters and sending letters. The fact that we have to do all this effort to get one tiny, to get heard in the slightest of ways, Ladies and gentlemen, as we say at the Zero Aggression Project, the sponsors of the show Inner mental levers, you have more power as a consumer than you do as a citizen, meaning we should want in every instance, everything we want to be delivered voluntarily. Now, let's close this all up. I want to say that I don't want my money going to things that I loathe and disapprove of. That's number one. And number two, I want to say, I don't want you to see your money going to things that you loathe and disapprove of. And number three, I want to acknowledge that there are some good things that I would like to see money go towards. And if I could keep what I earn to save, to invest, to give away as I see fit, I could put more of it towards the causes I believe, and I would be immediately more effective than voting would be. And four, you could do the same thing. And then five, it turns out you're not alone. See, we get so hung up on all these battles between left and right, liberal and conservative, right? As if these are pitted battles of good against evil because we're fighting over a stolen plot uh, pot of loot. How graceful is that? When instead, Bill... You could hang out with the people that share your values, and I can hang out with the people that share mine, and everyone that's listening to us right now can do exactly the same thing. They can associate with people who share who they are, who want people to have, let's just say, clean water. We could find ways to solve these social problems together and do it in a way that costs less, that was more customer service driven, that protected people and delivered a better quality product and that took care of everyone in need because it's our values that we're expressing and because we are expressing love and care. That's the gracious, gracious way. Nothing about this system with which you've chosen to identify yourself is doing that. In fact, I know you're better than that.